The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, and we're going to bring an interesting uh, show to you tonight. First uh, guest up, and I say guest because they're going to have not one, but two doctors uh, at the top of the show, and that's uh, Dr. Dave Mascotti and Dr. Ben Savasky. I met these guys over the weekend, uh, shortly after they finally flashed IRAP's uh, number up as the winner of the uh, Ohio Derby, and that was one close photo finish, a tough beat down for Mike Smith and Gervin. But I, these guys were just going nuts. I don't think their feet hit the ground, and they're they're cheering, they're hugging everybody, and they're jumping up and down. They're posing with the Cleveland Cavalier cheer, cheerleaders, and uh, they're screaming, 10 years, 10 years. And I'm thinking, well, I don't think they're Paul Redham's kids, and I'm not sure they're related to Doug O'Neill. So after the excitement came down a little bit, I had to go over and introduce myself. Well, as it turns out, these two guys are, are researchers. They're both professors at John Carroll University, and they've uh, developed their, their product. It's called Win to Win, uh, right near Thistledown in Beechwood, Ohio. So I got talking to them and found out that it is a very interesting invention uh, that they have. It's a supplement, uh, but there's also going to be uses, and are now to a certain extreme, uh, in human beings. And we're talking about muscular dystrophy and things like that that they could potentially help along with. I'll let the doctors uh, talk about that. They know much more than I do. But, uh, again, uh, Dr. David Mascotti and Dr. Benjamin Savasky will be our first guests here after we cover national news. And then after that, bringing us some information about international news would be the head of Horse Racing Nation, none other than Brian Zipsy. Had him out about a month ago, and he uh, told me he was going over to take in the Royal Ascot meet. I hope you people were entertained uh, last week, a cup of coffee, a little breakfast, and boom, there was the racing from Royal Ascot and how royal it really was. Well, once again, my man Wesley Ward got the job done in two of the races over there. Of course, I believe it was about, oh, six, eight years ago when he first went over there and became the first North American trainer ever to win a race at Royal Ascot. So Brian will kind of set the table for us and let us know uh, what, what the scene is like over there. I've got to find out if he wore his top hat and tails. Well, I hope you pulled down your easy win forms when you were doing your handicapping over the weekend. Had quite a few more nice winners, again, from all over the place in the middle of the country, or not there, but uh, let's just say West Virginia. Uh, a 50-cent super key returned turned $6,898 using the easy win forms. And then in New York, New York, we had uh, a good day on the 22nd at Belmont, a $2 pick six that paid 4000 
$239. And on the same afternoon, a $1 pick four returning $2,751. It's pretty easy, folks. Just come on over. Join us at the site, winningponies.com. Also, if anywhere along the line you uh, you missed a show, they're all there on podcast. We've had some great guests, including... Wesley Ward. You can pull those down. Now, don't forget when you do pull down the easy win forms, there's a really good racing at Gulfstream Park. The Summit of Speed is this weekend, so you're going to need the easy win forms to help you get through that. we uh, out at the West Coast, you get the San Carlos. It's a grade two at San Anita. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to get with uh, Brian and talk about the legendary United Nations stakes at Monmouth. That's a grade one, a mile and three eighths on the turf. Some of racing's greats have won that race. And then the Mother Goose at Belmont Park. You know, the Mother Goose here will be a warm-up for uh, some of the races we're going to see at Saratoga for three-year-old fillies. They'll be going a one-turn mile and a 16th in there. And the tepid favorite is Lockdown, who just ran third in the Kentucky Oaks. So we will take a look at uh, those uh, two races with Brian. Uh, might, uh, and also, uh, hopefully, we'll get to uh, the, uh, the Queen's Plate. And, uh, of course, that's north of the border at Woodbine. Uh, the Queen's Plate is uh, kind of like their Kentucky Derby. It's a million dollars on the lines for three-year-olds going at a mile and a quarter. The thing is, you got to be fold in Canada to win there. Another race that uh, you could make a case for several horses in there. Right now, they're making a slight favorite, Holy Helena, Jimmy Jerkins' trainee, the uh, three-to-one horse to win the Queen's Plate. But check this out. This horse has only run three times in its career. Uh, it'll be very interesting to talk to Brian and see what he thinks. Because I definitely think uh, yeah, as talented as that last race was with a 90 buyer, uh, there's some horses with a little more seasoning in here that could be very dangerous. Also seeing some of the top jocks in the country going up there. Javier Castellano giving up some mount. New York, and Julian Le Peru will be north of the border, as well as Alan Garcia, and uh, the regular cast of characters from Woodbine. So that's a look at some of the races hopefully we'll get to, but mainly I want to talk to Brian about Royal Ascot, and uh, just amazing that uh, that was certainly no flash in the pan uh, for, for Wesley Ward when he went over there. Like I said, I think it might have been about eight years now. Uh, he uh, was very pleased with his stables, Royal Ascot performance. I hope you got to see champion Lady Aurelia. Her performance was unbelievable. Three-year-old filly taking on males and older horses, if you can believe that. Johnny V had to be uh, deputized. Uh, for Frankie DeTore, who broke his arm the week before and couldn't ride. So uh, it was opening day of Royal Ascot and just an unbelievable performance. She shot to the front in the five furlong King stand and never looked back. And nobody ever really threatened her. And I go back and look at it. I, I don't see Johnny V uncorking his whip. Uh, you got to remember Lady Aurelia 
was the uh, two-year-old champion filly in, in Europe last year. Uh, she's now earned 718000 Again, it's early in her three-year-old career. Uh, looks like uh, Wesley Ward's going to point her to the five-furlong Coolmore Nunthorpe Stakes uh, at York in England. And, of course, her end goal, it is the five-furlong Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, November 4th at Del Mar. And the day after she won, Hat Creek Racing's Conte Partiro and jockey, jockey Jamie Spencer won the one-mile Sandringham by one-and-a-half lengths. How about this? Conte Di Patrio, despite having Ward listed as trainer, went off at 20-1. to one. And uh, so he said, you know, he really wanted to win a graded race with her, and uh, he's considering the San Clemente stakes, which is a grade two on the turf at Del Mar, or the mile and eighth pucker up stakes on Arlington Million Day. So uh, speaking of things across the pond, of what a meet that Aiden O'Brien had, uh, I think he recorded something like his 300th winner over at Royal Ascot. It was just amazing. Well, he now takes Wings of Eagles uh, to compete what he hopes will be the English-Irish Derby double. Wings of Ingles is going to be racing July 1st. It's coming up fast, folks, at the Carrah, uh, owned by Coolmore, affiliated Derek Smith, Susan Magner, and Michael Tabor. Uh, Wings of Eagles made a quick move in the final furlong to win the Investec Derby at Epsom. And so now he'll be going to Ireland and hopes to get that job done. I believe that Aidan O'Brien has uh, four horses in that race. And uh, the other four are all by the top sire, Galileo. Well, one of our stars is leaving the turf. After 26 stakes wins, fan favorite Ben's Cat has been retired. What a ride he's given King Leatherberry, the breeder, owner, and trainer. He's a Maryland-bred Ben's Cat. Uh, he just decided this week that the 11-year-old gilding uh, had given it all on his track. He retired sound, and uh, he's going to be retired to a farm in Versailles, Kentucky, the farm of uh, Chris Welker, who's a big fan of the horse, so you could probably go down there and, and visit him. Uh, if he did have a huge, huge uh, fan base. Uh, he just excited people left and right. 26 wins alone, but 26 stakes wins? Uh, you got it. You got to be kidding me. He won the, the Mr. Diz uh, Dash Stakes six years in a row from 2010 to 2015. The Parks Dash Handicap each year from 2012 through th uh, 2014. And um, don't forget Maryland Million Day. He always brought his game there. He took the Maryland Million Turf Sprint each year from 2010 through 2012. He also liked racing at the uh, Penn National Race Course in 2013. 13 and 2014 he won fabulous strike handicap two years in a row so pretty amazing to, to own breed and train a horse like that uh, he did and he really took his time with him he didn't race until he was four years old but he ended up having a record of 32 wins nine seconds and seven thirds from 63 starts winning more than 2.6 million Dollars. All right, Arrowgate's back on the work tab. Uh, worked six furlongs under Jackie Martin Garcia on Sunday at Santa Anita. He's now won over $17 million in eight races. He's expected to make his next start in the July 22nd San Diego at Del Mar. 
So that's the latest on Arrogate. We'll wait to see when he gets back into the starting gate. Well, I want to uh, thank my friend uh, Rich Ruda, who was uh, a great host up at Thistledown, and uh, he was with us last week. We went over a couple Buckeye bred uh, races, and uh, they turned out to be very, very interesting events. Uh, in the uh, race number five, it was the George Lewis Memorial. Now, this race is for the boys, but just a little smoke is huge in the female division. So trainer Tim Hand decided to run Leona's reward against the boys, and uh she had a tough stretch run. First, she had to hold off Buckeye Bullet, who was a three to five favorite, and then in the narrowest of noses, held the lead over eight the hard way. Congratulations to jockey Pablo Morales and trainer Tim Ham. Leona's reward, she's racking up the bucks, and she's an accredited Ohio bred, meaning sire and dam are from the state. Uh, then we did go on to the race uh, with just a little smoke, uh, the William J. Petro Memorial Handicap. Uh, there was a uh, rabbit in there. Proper discretion was on top by eight links at the half-mile pole. But T.D. Houghton never panicked. It's just sat chilly and blew him away by seven and a half links at the wire. And then the big one, the half-a-million-dollar grade three Ohio Derby. This was a thriller. It took a while for the photo to be decided, and the winner eventually was I Rap, who was a uh, uh, winner of the Bluegrass Stakes. Julia Le Peru came up to ride I Rap, and uh, he was actually eligible for non-winners of two coming into this race. Of course, Gervin, who uh, trained so well in Louisiana up to the Kentucky Derby, one of the four Derby horses in here, all of them with trouble lines. Gervin looked to be a winner, turning for home, was on top by a length and a half. But Mike Smith came up just a nose short to Irap, untrapped. The Steve Asmussen trainee was third. Well, like I said earlier, you know, uh, right after this race was official, uh, we st- I saw a couple gentlemen just, uh, you know, off their uh, rocker in the winner's circle. And it turned out to be Dr. Dave Mascotti and Dr. Ben Javasky, uh, who uh, had a part in IRAP's victory. And we're going to share that story with you in just a minute. We're taking a little bit of a break. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, I told the story at the top of the show that uh, as soon as they had flashed up IRAP's number, the ground started to shake in North Randall, Ohio, as two guys were just jumping up and down, uh, hugging the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers cheerleaders and anybody else that was within uh, arm's length. and, and shouting, 10 years, 10 years. So I was trying to put the story together, and so I kind of waited till things died down a little bit, which they never really did with these two. Uh, and I'm talking about Dr. David Mascotti, who has over 30 years of research experience helping to understand the fundamental mechanisms of gene expression and regulation to the role of iron and cellular functions. I'm hoping, uh, they, they know I'm short, so I hope they don't talk over to my, my head tonight, but uh, he is... Uh, currently an instructor at uh, John Carroll, and then uh, with him, uh, his uh, partner in uh, development of Win to Win was uh, Dr. Benjamin Savasky, who actually at one time well, was a student of uh, Dr. Mascotti's, uh, and since then, he's returned to the area. He was a, a grad assistant and student at John Carroll, and uh, he's currently working at uh, university hospitals in the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, he has a passion for diabetic limb salvage, wound care, and studying oxidative stress. And I got a feeling that oxidative stress is probably something that our friends in the thoroughbred breed incurred during the running of a race. Gentlemen, welcome to Winning Ponies. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, well, was I right about that? Is oxidative stress one of the things that uh, your formula uh, addresses? It is. It's uh, the company is is win to win, but I believe the main ingredient is. Get me if I'm right. CoQ10. Yeah, it's wired wire dot com wire dash number two dash wire dot com. Um, we uh, we formulated uh, this formula based on earlier incarnations for dogs. Uh, using CoQ10, which is really good for as an antioxidant. There's been a lot of studies on CoQ10 being a good antioxidant, but we uh, we ramped it up with a with a, a blend of other antioxidants that all work together, and we've been testing it on horses for about I guess what six years now. Yeah, six years. Yeah. So um, we were working on horses that were either that either tying up, laminitis, hoof damage, anhydrosis. Uh, all these other, all these things are, are um, oxidative damage in nature, and so. The horses were able to recover quicker after racing. Uh, the ones that were a little bit injured were coming back from injuries faster, things like that. Um, our goal was to get a horse healthy from using everything in it is molecules that are, that are naturally in the, in the horse. There's no drugs in this. Uh, we're just basically optimizing the molecules that are helping the body p- repair itself. And so we're trying well, to get the, the horse healthy from within. I, I, I saw a rap win the uh, bluegrass stakes, and I've got plenty of photos of him. He is a massive, massive, massive individual, a really good-looking horse. Of course, you got to see him up close on, on oh, yeah. Saturday. Um, how is your supplement distributed? Does it go in their feed? Is it a pill form? Uh, how do they get it in their system? And at what point in time do they need several weeks for it to begin to in, in, enhance their, uh, their, their situation? Why don't you guys help me out with that? Well, we've, we've had a lot of blood uh, draws on horses over time as they've been taking it, uh, so we know that you start seeing effects within about two weeks or so 
optimal is usually about four to six weeks. Um, and so all the markers that you'd look for in the blood for, to minimize the, the oxidative damage, we're starting to see the effects, you know, in that time frame. Uh, for instance, IRAP was starting to take uh, wire-to-wire in February. So, I mean, I don't know if it's a complete coincidence. Obviously, Doug is an outstanding trainer. He's got a great team there. Um, but he was taking, I, was taking wire-to-wire for approximately a month or so before Keeneland. So that was a different day than his previous races. I don't know if that had an effect. I hope it did. Right. It also depends on how sick the horse is. So if you some of these more expensive horses, they're not, you know they're not as sick, so you won't see the effects of it as as soon as you would as if a horse that's tying up right away. Well, you kind of hit the, the the big stage there. Uh, you're talking to a guy uh, about a guy that's won a couple Kentucky Derbies and is always at the top of his game, Doug O'Neill. How did you manage to get in touch with him and and convince him that win to win is something he needed to try? Well, that was a complete coincidence. Uh, I don't know exactly how he came upon uh, the, the interest level, but he started looking for co- coenzyme Q uh, in a supplement for horses, and he found us. So he contacted us. Uh, I talked to him, told him what kind of horses we've been, you know, it, it's been working for and what kind of conditions uh, we would, we would con- uh, select it for. And he said, okay, send me some, and I'll think about which horse to put it on. And he never told me what horse he put it on, by the way. Um, uh-huh. so, so when, when IRAP, uh, you know, surprised everyone, uh, that I, yeah, I didn't know that he was actually taking it at that point. <laughs> now, did you, are you talking about the bluegrass or the Ohio Derby? The bluegrass, yeah. I didn't know he was taking it at the bluegrass yet. Now, did you call Doug and check or did he say something? Hey, I want some more of this stuff. <laughs> well, I call, I called him back and I, and I said, you know, uh, you know, congratulations on IRAP, uh, you know, you know, did you ever, did you ever tell me, did you ever figure out which horse to give it to? And he goes, yeah, IRAP was taking it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really just his one test subject, huh? Yeah, he, well, he was giving it to, I think he was giving it to a couple other horses for a couple days here and there, and he decided it wasn't really like being done in a systematic way, so he decided to stay with one horse and do it more, you know, as a function of time. But, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So he liked, he liked the results, um, so that's, that's where we've been working with it since then. So you, Kentucky Derby, as you know, there's a lot more to, to winning a race than just being a great horse. Uh, you know, the, that muddy track, uh, he was completely caked with, his eyes were caked with mud in that race, and he got bumped early, and that just was a, was a bad run of luck there. Um, so on a good track in, uh, at Thistledown, it actually was a, was a decent run there. And he, he did exactly what we expected. Uh, but on the other hand, Doug is in fact pointing out that He's, he's bred, his particular, you know, lineage is, is basically showing that those horses tend to get better with age. So there's a, there's a little bit of that going on, too. We can't, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things, let's put it that way. I know, because when he broke his maiden in the bluegrass, which is prior to the Kentucky Derby, you know, he had never won a race up until that time. So obviously, uh, with age, he's getting better and better. And you did comment about the race. There were four horses in the Ohio Derby that were good enough to compete in the Kentucky Derby, and all four of them had some kind of excuse, and uh, legitimately so. So uh, mm-hmm. Gervin, I know, uh, was... Uh, you know, considered the, uh, the the top horse in the Derby had the lead turning for home. You guys, uh, your hair had to be standing up about the 16th pole when you saw Iraq range up alongside him. Oh yeah, yeah. I knew he was going to win. Knew it. 
Well, uh, I'm not sure Julian did because <laughs> him and Mike kept him and Mike kept straining their neck to the to the tote board while they were walking the horses in circles uh, to to try to find out. Well, okay, okay. Now, is is Doug going to work in concert with you where you can use IRAP as your poster boy to get the word out about this invention? Yeah, we talked to him about it, and, and he said, "Yeah, I'm definitely on board with uh, with the wire to wire." So um, that's that's definitely a, a future future continuing on with him. Hopefully he's going to be running in, uh, I think, the news at Indiana next month. I'll be there in Indiana Derby. Yeah. Great. I'm going that day. Um, I, I, I believe it was uh, you, Dave, that uh, towards the end of, uh, if you want to call it our interview or introduction, uh, you told me really uh, the big picture of this, as great as it is uh, for racehorses, is that you're discovering that there was a good chance that you're going to be able to apply this to, to some pretty serious human conditions. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, at this point, um, this kind of came out of part of the, part of the thing when, when, uh, when Ben was in med school. Uh, he was studying diabetics, and one of the, a lot of the common problems with diabetics is oxidative damage. So we thought, like, well, what if we made a human version of it? So we optimized it for humans. And I'll let talk, Ben talk about that part. Well, pretty much I'll just keep it simple. So when you have elevated bl- blood glucose, you, you start making oxidative radicals, and your body doesn't co- it, it can't produce the... I guess the vacuum cleaner to, to vacuum them up, so they need a little boost, and that's sort of what red, red, the Redox Plus formula is. Well, what what other human condition might this help? Anything that has oxidative stress, so just about anything. Like so, arthritis. Yeah. So when I originally developed it, it was for um, inflammation in the heart for dogs. So that was back when I was an undergrad, starting my master's. I developed this formula for dogs that had inflammation in their heart, and that was uh, CoQ10. You know, 10 years later, we find that uh, diabetes, most of their symptoms are caused by oxidative stress. And you can talk about arthritis, too. Arthritis is basically just inflammation and oxidative stress in the joints. Yeah. Fair. And another thing, um, so people that have um, diabetes, they have neuropathy. So you have motor neuropathy. Um, neuropathy, where you get the numbness, tingling, and burning in your extremities, and you also have um, autonomic neuropathy. A lot of people forget the autonomic neuropathy and the muscular neuropathy, and they just talk about the numbness, tingling, and burning in their. In so you their might life. want to explain what autonomic neuropathy right, exactly. means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember who you're talking to, doctor. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know you have the nervous system that that does like motor, makes your arm extend, flex, etc. When you have diabetes. Um, you get these um, sugars built up on tendons, and they can't move like they used to. So uh, extremities get stiff, and uh, tendons start to break down. Um, you also get uh, numbness, tingling, and burning in your extremities. And then you also it can also affect the autonomic nervous system, which is um, the part of the nervous system that does secretions like sweating, for instance, and helps you digest food and helps your intestines move um, a product inside, and, and this ultimately stops. So one thing that we found that's really interesting with our product is it helps um, people start sweating again. Because so people with diabetes, they get dry skin and it cracks and it breaks down, and our product can help relieve that. And we all, we're also seeing that in horses down south that have a trouble sweating uh, called anhydrosis. Uh, when we give these horses our product, they ultimately start sweating again and, and they can cool down. 
Yeah, I have also heard that that releases uh, uh, toxins. Now, here's here's my my next question before we we ha- have to uh, break is, um, are there currently forms available uh, available where like John Engelhardt could get his hands on some of this stuff? For the human one, uh, buy yes. redox.com. B-U-Y-R-E-D-O-X.com. Okay, and that that will connect uh, the listeners to you. Yeah, that, that's the that's our human um, diabetic formula right now. But as okay, an aside, so, if you have arthritis, it would work for that too. <laughs> the one right, other so thing, it, you're saying yeah. products win to win. It's actually it's called wire to wire. Right, the number two wire. That's what I wanted to do. Is uh, yeah. Your 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 website is is great, and it really. Um, I know we we've used some big words here tonight, uh, bigger than I understand. But your your website is is really good. It's wire dash the number two dash wire dot com, and it's really an interesting read. It's not like reading a medical journal at all, and uh, it, it's just when you read this, you, you say, why wouldn't you give it to your horse? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a reason why it took us 10 years to get any traction is because uh, two, two nerdy scientists are not perhaps your best salespeople. <laughs> you can see where I'm going with that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but I just wanted my, you know, if it to pique the interest of our listeners, I wanted to go there uh, to to see wire to wire, and then remind them that the the other thing that they can probably order online is buy. Redox, R-E-D-O-X dot com. Am I correct? Right, right. Great, great. Well, gentlemen, it was it was it was fun meeting you and sharing the excitement of uh, your poster boy uh, wraps a big win up there in uh, Ohio's biggest race. And uh, if all goes well, I'll see you at the Indiana Derby. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, a very I- interesting segment. I want to thank both uh, Doctors Dave Mascotti and Dr. Ben Savasky uh, from up in Beechwood, Ohio, for sharing that story with us. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to the world traveler, Brian Zipsy, fresh back from Royal Ascot. You are listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and back with me, a gentleman that's become a regular on Winning Ponies, and that's Brian Zipsy. Of course, he's the managing editor of Horse Racing Nation, a great website. If you're listening to this show, you've probably been to his site. It's really great. It moves well. It's got fantastic information on it. Well, when I last had him on, he uh, uh, let me know that uh, he was actually going to be making the trip across the pond uh, to go to that sensational meet we got to witness uh, last week at Royal Ascot. So with no further ado, uh, what, what can I say? Tally-ho, pip-pip. How you doing, Brian Zip? Cheerio, John. Cheerio. I've, I've been back <laughs> in the States for, for 48 hours. I'm still, I'm still in recovery mode from uh, the trip of a lifetime. I just got lucky. I thought about it. I said, you know, I don't know when he's coming back. And I text Jane. You go. I just got off the airplane. So yeah, they'll. <laughs> there will. I, I. I did make a, a trip to Ireland one time, and uh, just happened upon about uh, six race courses while I was over there. You know, <laughs> my wife would always go, "Gee, that's funny. Every bed and breakfast we're staying at, there's a racetrack within three miles." I'm like, "Wow, that's crazy, isn't it?" <laughs> you know who planted that trip? <laughs> so uh, it's weird. How that, it's weird how that works out. I don't know how we. Uh, it must be just you and I, John. We stumble upon racetracks <laughs> that are very close to family vacations. Uh, this this was a good one. You know, right away when I got there, John, I knew I wasn't at Beulah Park. <laughs> well, nobody is anymore. But uh, so, to describe the trip, uh, and, and you know, take me take me through the timeline, if you will. Yeah, well, you know, it was a family vacation. I want to emphasize that to all the viewers. It was for the family. It was about the family. It was actually myself and a very good friend who also happens to enjoy horses just a little bit. So we brought our two families over to London. We were there for a week. And, uh, and of course, uh, the uh, first full day, uh, Tony and I uh, made our way out to Royal Ascot, which was day two at Ascot. So that was Wednesday. I did miss. Lady Aurelia's fantastic oh, performance no. on Tuesday. I know, oh. I know. I wish. I'm sure we, you've seen we, it. We wanted to get there for Tuesday very badly, but uh, uh, airlines and uh, and plans just didn't work out. So we were there for Wednesday, which which wasn't bad at all. John, Tony, and I took the train on Wednesday. We took the families there on Thursday. That was a big car ride, but on Wednesday we took the train. We had to hop on three different trains. It took about an hour to get there. And then, and then as soon as you get off the train, maybe even before the train, because you're seeing, you're seeing top hat and tails. You're seeing ladies in their, in their uh, Sunday finest uh, on this long train ride. You get off the train, and you're just in this tree-lined, uh, tree-lined walkway that takes a, that, that's literally another mile. But as soon as you get off the train, you know you're at Ascot, everything. There are signs, and, and you just have the atmosphere starting already. So it took us about 20 minutes to get there, and unlike anything I've ever seen before, it's, it's, it's two Churchill Downs. That's how big the new facility, I guess the new facility is about 14, 15 years old, and it's just modern and gigantic and beautiful in every way. So we get in there. We're surrounded by top hat and tails. We're surrounded by people having a good time. The parade ring. Oh my gosh, I've never seen anything so beautiful. And then the good horses. Uh, I can't, can't say enough. My words will not do justice to what a beautiful place Ascot is. Well, I, I will say that uh, they, they did an excellent job uh, 
on their uh, their production of uh, of bringing it o- over here. Um, NBC Sports uh, and host Nick Locke. I don't know when that guy slept for a week. I think he did uh, 22 and a half hours of coverage <laughs> in less than a week. Uh, but uh, yeah, it really left a, a lasting impression about uh, just the way that th- that these people uh, put their arm around racing. I mean, heck, when the Queen of England is a big fan, you know that the rest of the country is. Right. Yeah. And and I've heard nothing of you know everything that I've heard since then is. is is telling me how good the NBC sports coverage was. I'm, I'm almost sorry I missed it. Of course, I, I'm happy I was there. But I think that speaks to how important English racing is, how important racing is over there across the pond. And, and they take it very seriously, and they do a very good job. I'm thrilled that for the first year, Americans really got to see a little bit more about it, the quality of racing, and just the place. You know, I liken it to... Being at the Kentucky Derby, that that kind of just festive, people having a great time atmosphere, but in a totally different kind of place. So I, I don't want to use the word classy, but it's just a different air about it. Uh, people are having that same kind of really, really good time. People have a good time over there, John, but it, 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 there's something different. There's something uh, uh, aristocratic. There, you, can, you can smell the history in the place, the town across the street. Everybody's Everybody's all about Royal Ascot as you as you get into the downtown area there, and they just celebrate racing, and it was great to see. Now you've been to a lot of tracks in, in the United States. Was there one or two distinctive things about the style of the horsemanship that kind of caught your eye? That's a little bit different than the way we do it in North America. Well, you know, I, I think there, I, Royal Ascot probably isn't the uh, the greatest comparison to American racing because, of course. We're talking about some of the wealthiest owners in the world and some of the uh, the very finest horse flesh you'll see anywhere in the world. So you always see the the uh, Europeans come over for for big turf races over here, and you always you, you always marvel how good they look, how how well taken care of they are, how their tail is cut just so, and just how impeccable the horses are. Well, that's every horse over there. So we're seeing races anywhere from thirty horses down to fifteen horses to. The, the, the turf course is, is two to three times wider than we're used to over here. And these beautiful horses just thundering down the stretch. It, it, it really, it's horse racing. Of course, they're going in a different direction. They have a one mile straight away. It's not an oval. They have kind of a triangular course with the long, long, long chute. Uh, it, it's horse racing. I recognized it as horse racing, but very, very different. And, and, you know, I'm not saying it's better than American racing, but it's just uh, it's just a different game over there, and was very eye opening and very memorable to see. Well, I, I do remember when when I was over in Ireland. Unlike race goers in the U.S., where uh, they'll go on and you know talk about how the four horse you know caught the eight horse, and you know the three horse got nailed down. They all know the names of all these horses. It's like th- these are like their NFL football players, you know, w- what that is to the United States. These people know every horse by name. It's just amazing how uh, they, they embrace racing. Of course, it, it, it started over in, uh, you know, Western Europe, uh, what, 800 years ago? Uh, and obviously a tradition that's carried on. And I'm sure that's what you were, you know, smelling over there and seeing was uh, uh, the prestige and the uh, – the tradition that's really in their bloodlines. 
Yeah, you know, Ascot's only a little over 300 years old, which of course is far older than any race race course here. But yeah, the, the people, it was a good mix, and I did I did two different things. You know, when Tony and I went there on Wednesday, we were more in the in the building, in the main building, and that's that's owners and that's more serious race fans. They have different enclosures: the Royal Enclosure, the Queen Anne Enclosure. So we did get a different taste of what it was all about. And, and I think that's true. What you're saying very much true where they're serious about the horse race. And you can see it in the newspapers there. You could see how big a deal Ascot is. Everyone, everyone, whether they're horse fans or not in London or, or, or surrounding London knew what was going on at Ascot at the time. Uh, and then Thursday with the family, we were out in, in the kind of the Parkland area, uh, which is called the Windsor enclosure and goes on for furlongs. So we were, uh, we were literally about three-eighths of a mile from the finish line where we were stationed that day. We had a table, champagne, and the pims were flowing. And, 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 and it was an excitement out there. And again, I, I would liken it to kind of a Kentucky Derby type of feel in the excitement. Different, different looking as far as how everyone was dressed, but the champagne corks were popping. Uh, everyone was having a good time. Less, less children there. I wasn't there on Saturday, which I guess, School was still going, but uh, just a really, really good time. Whether they were serious race fans or not, the two days that I saw a mix of both, I think the people that weren't as serious race fans uh, were serious about having a good time, and they understood that this was a special place to be. Well, uh, b- before we uh, go off and take a, a quick break, um I was always told that, that that it only rains twice a week over there, and that's Monday through Thursday and Friday through Saturday. Was that true? <laughs> <laughs> it was hot. The heat was on, John. It, it, really? Wednesday, I guess. I guess Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday were the uh, the two hottest days in England for years. So we we talked to someone, the uh, the owner manager of an Italian place we were at, and he said, "Yeah, this is this is." He's been there for four. He's been in the country for four years, and it was the hottest he's ever seen in, in, in London. So Ascot was 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 warm. There was uh, good to firm turf conditions. They were watering the turf course uh, before the races, and uh, we did not see a lick of rain. Uh, it rained when we traveled the country a little bit. It had rained in a place we went to several days later, uh, but we never saw any rain. It was supposed to rain when we were leaving, believe it or not. So. We saw seven days of sunshine. The first two days were in the 90s, which is just unheard of over there. Wow, that that that's unbelievable. Now, on the, on those hot days, as uh, as the American, did you stand out in your flip flops and Hawaiian shirt? You know, I didn't. I we didn't do the top hat and tails. <laughs> we didn't do the top hat and tails. We were gonna do the top hat and tails, but we figured we were only there one day without the families. We knew we didn't want to wear the top hat and tails in the Windsor enclosure down there on the grass. So we just wore a suit and we stood out. We really did stand out in the suits because you're just in a sea of, of top hat and tails there in, in, in certain areas. So we did stand out and, and, and the American was sweating, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Highland, Highland Real, Highland Real, John. And I didn't remember this from, from seeing him. I, I've seen him three times now. He won... The grade one race, the secretariat at Arlington Park a few years ago. I saw him win the Breeders' Cup last year at Santa Anita. 
And now I thought I think the best race of the whole week was the Prince of Wales' stakes on Wednesday. He was just washed out, really, really wet in the parade ring. We got up close to him Wednesday afternoon, and I said, boy, I, I don't know if he's going to beat this field looking the way he does, but apparently that's Highland Real. And 95 degrees, he, he should have been wet, but he was the wettest horse in the parade ring, and then he ran just a marvelous race to beat it. Every, every horse in the race was good. Our last two Breeders' Cup Turf winners, uh, Breeders' Cup Turf, Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf, both ran really well. But Highland Real, as wet as he was on that hot day, was the winner. And Queen's Trust ran, ran a big race to be fourth, a close fourth, uh, in the same race. Yeah, and I do believe that the Prince of Wales is considered one of the most prestigious races of the entire English year. Yeah, absolutely. Ascot, of course, Ascot has great racing all year. They have these short meets, and they have the King George a little bit later, and now they have the British Champion Series later in the fall, uh, getting closer to Breeders' Cup. But uh, this is one of their very biggest ones. They, you know, gold, the Gold Cup, the Queen Anne, just five days, and you're, you're seeing about uh, 18 to 20 Group 1, Group 2 stakes. And, uh, I, you know, if you like turf racing, even one iota, or if you don't know it yet, watch the turf racing there. You'll become a fan of the turf. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you, Miss Ariella's race was uh, earth-shattering. It was unbelievable. Johnny V never uncracked his whip. Wesley Ward just has an amazing touch with young horses. And for a three-year-old filly, this time of the season, to take on older fillies and the boys... That in its own right is absolutely sensational. Well, I talked a little bit about that at the top of the show. We're talking with uh, with, with Brian Zipsy, uh, who made the, the trip over to Royal Ascot. And Brian, thanks uh, a, a lot for you know giving us uh, the, the inside look at what it was like to be over there. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about some North American racing that's going to take place this week. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, you notice I uh, mentioned before we took the break that we're going to look at races from North America and not just the United States, because in a minute or two, we're going to go up and uh, see what's on the Queen's plate at Woodbine. Uh, but, but one more question for uh, Brian Zipsy, who's uh, who's w- with us here right now. And, uh, of course, he's the uh, managing editor of Horse Racing Nation, a great site. I urge you to go there. Um, Brian, uh, when I was in Ireland, pretty much... I ate mostly fish and potatoes. They would actually, at dinner, bring out two whole baked potatoes with the entree. What was what was the fare like in England? You know, I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any any whole potatoes coming at me, John. I, we actually did really, really well. Everyone was a little surprised. I, I, I tried to tell them that England and London specifically is not what it used to be as far as the lack of culinary skills over there. So we did Italian, we did dim sum, we did pizza, we did a lot of good things. And uh, generally they were owned by Italians or, or such, and the food was excellent. Great, great. And did you notice some of the people kind of in awe of your uh, uh, d- dental hygiene? <laughs> no, no. In fact, uh, a lot of the people, uh, you, you, odd as it is, I, I kind of looked for that a little bit. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the dental work there actually has certainly improved over the years. <laughs> I'm, I'm bad. I, I just had to throw I, that out. I'm there. surprised you brought that up, but we'll, <laughs> mo- we'll move on. Should we talk about the Queen's Plate, John? We should talk about the Queen's Plate because it's one of the most competitive races I'm seeing over the weekend. I know that uh, Holy Helena has been installed as the slight favorite, but, you know, she's a three-year-old filly that uh, hasn't met many of the heavy hitters, has only made three lifetime starts. I know uh, the last one was at Woodbine and was a sensational winner of uh, the Woodbine Oaks and trained by uh, Jimmy Jerkins, so I I think the world of but let me tell you there, there's some other horses in here that have a solid shot and i think you pretty much penned an article on this race this week didn't you that's right and, and i really do agree with you i think it's a great betting race it's a tough race there's 13 of them and uh i i think there's literally seven or eight uh legitimate possible winners in here uh, you know certainly there could be an upset as well these are just like our Kentucky Derby, these are horses going farther than they've ever gone before. A lot of them are lightly raced. So there, there, there's certainly things that could happen in here. Uh, Holy Helena, uh, she's coming off a huge win in the Woodbine Oaks in her third lifetime race. She is going against much better or at least much deeper competition here. And uh, coming off that big performance so early in her career, in her career I do wonder, like you, if this might not get to her just a little bit. So as the favorite, she's the morning line favorite at 3-1. to one. I will try to beat Holy Helena, and I think there's a lot of good options to do so. John, I actually landed on as my top pick a horse that's 10-1 to one on the morning line, and that is Roger Atfield's runner, Tis a Slam. And I'm sure you know Roger Atfield's record in the Queen's Plate. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's like the, the king of Canada. He, he's got to be like 85 years old by now because as long as I've been watching racing north of the border, uh, he's been one of the top trainers. Yeah, he keeps he keeps getting it done. He's won the Queen's Plate an incredible eight times already. You know, there have been a lot of great trainers in Canada in our lifetimes, John. And 
he he's the one that gets these horses ready for this race more than any other. And I think this horse is a, a really good example. He's a son of Tiz now. He's just a big strapping horse that looks born to run 10 furlongs. He's been kind of biding his time a little bit this year. Uh, he's been in three stakes races, both uh, down in America and two in Canada. And he's been close, but he hasn't, he hasn't broken through in any of those races yet this year. Winner three times at Woodbine last year. Last time he kind of loped along, had a little bit of traffic, actually finished fourth, beaten about a length and a half in the play trial, but he just looked like a horse screaming out for more distance. I think that with the combination of Atfield knowing how to get them ready for a race like this, a decent early pace, I think Tiz Slam has a big chance to run a huge race. He's, he's probably not the most likely winner. Maybe I would look at the Bill Mott horse. By the way, this is Bill Mott's first ever Queens Plate runner. That, that horse uh, re, uh, reformed turf horse, I'll call him. He's run most of his career on turf. Uh, Channel Maker might be the, the absolute one to beat. But I think Tiz Slam has a real chance to do it. Yeah, I love the way that, that Atfield has brought him up to this race. It almost looks sneaky. Like, you know, I'm not worried that much about the plate trial. I'm, I'm worried about the Queen's plate. That's a million dollars. But you made a great point. You know, if, if, if you win a race like this, you know, going a mile and a quarter, uh, you're doing something special as a trainer, and he has. Well, only got about three minutes left, Brian. Uh, which race would you like to tackle, the Mother Goose or the United Nations? Oh, let's stick, let's stick with the turf since we've talked so much about Ascot. I- I think the Monmouth Park race, the uh, the uh, historic grade one United Nations is an interesting race, John. And, and the favorites there uh, all land on the inside, Beach Patrol. It's in the post and bigger picture. And for odds sake, I think I'm going to land on bigger picture, who is coming off uh, a race where he was beaten by it's in the post. And I think he might even be higher than the four to one on the morning line. Well, I'm having an awful hard time getting away from the favorite, but that's been a bad habit of mine over the years. I know uh, Florent Giroux in the press has, uh, you, you know, been saying how strong the horse is. Of course, he's coming out of, you know, uh, four straight Grade One races. Um, you know, just missed in the Hollywood Derby that was on the turf, and then uh, you know uh, ran game seconds in the. Uh, Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap, uh, the Grade 1 Turf Classic, and most recently in the Grade 1 Manhattan was finished fourth, but was only beaten a, a length and a half. Um, it, you know, I, I, he's definitely the one to beat, but even the odds maker wasn't too crazy about him. I mean, you got 5-2 to two on the favorite in there. Uh, of course, uh, Chad Brown's been waving a magic wand all all season long. It's hard, hard to leave him out. And uh, you're Second pick, uh, bigger pitcher, you know, Mike Maker just continues to come up with these big turf horses, and he seems to excel going the long distances, and this is a mile and a three-eighths, kind of a, a, a unique distance uh, in, in its own right, and of course, Maker, in these big grass races, uh, never surprised to see him have more than one. He's got Oscar nominated in there, too, a horse who's closing in on a million dollars. But you've got German breads, Irish breads. Uh, it's a very, very uh, interesting race, uh, the United Nations. Again, it's, uh, I believe, the only grade one uh, on, on Saturday. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll... Uh, 
be certainly tuned into that. As you said, there's been a lot of great horses that have won it. Looks like I got about two minutes left real quick. The Mother Goose, it's three-year-old fillies. We'll probably see some of these horses in the Alabama uh, up at Saratoga. And, um, you know, we've got, uh, of course, uh, Todd Pletcher, always loaded for bear. I see that he's got uh, three in here. Uh, Lights of Madonna, My Miss Tappet, and Moana. Um, so, uh, o- always dangerous with, with any one of his, um, lockdown, the Bill Mott trainee who ran third in the Oaks is, uh, the, the two to one favorite in here. Uh, what's your read on these three-year-old fillies? Yeah, the Mother Goose is another interesting race and, and, uh, certainly several horses look like they, uh, they could win it. Interesting that the favorites are both coming out of, uh, race. Good races in the Kentucky Oaks. I'm talking about Lockdown and Vexatious. They're both uh, really well-bred fillies. Uh, Lockdown uh, uh, is a uh, is a is a sister to Close Hatches. Vexatious is a sister to both Destin and Creative Cause. So really well-bred fillies. They were long shots in the Oaks, and they finished a good third and the fourth. It was a sloppy sloppy track. Of the two, I think Lockdown might be the more interesting one going forward. I think Bill Mott might have a very good one here in lockdown. Uh, she could be the favorite, but all three of the, the uh, Pletcher horses you mentioned uh, are interesting, especially my Miss Tappet, who's two for two, hasn't raced in a couple months. She was uh, two wins sprinting at Gulfstream. And Unchained Melody, I think, is very interesting from the uh, Brian Lynch barn, John. She, uh, she has a nice win where she beat a very good horse, Jameson and Ginger, last time at Belmont Park. So over the trip, over the track just a few weeks ago, uh, certainly a uh, lightly raced filly looking to be maybe this good. So Unchained Melody would probably be my tepid top pick in an interesting Mother Goose. Yeah, absolutely. And Unchained Melody, if people lo- looking at the past performances, they'll, they'll see that uh, uh, Javier Castellano has been has been riding the horse, but uh, he, he certainly didn't get fired. He's going to be up riding in the Queen's Plate on inflexibility for Chad Brown. So uh, I think the move to Joel Rosario is certainly not going to hurt you anyway as they uh, come down to the wire, Brian. Yeah, Rosario uh, Rosario can get it done. Of course, this race is uh, is Saturday. Uh, Javi, uh, Javi's going to be at Monmouth. Is uh, not sure where he is. I don't see him in the uh, in the Mother Goose, but uh, maybe I'm not sure uh, either. But uh, all I do know is that I got to get out of here. We've been talking with uh, with Brian Zipsy. I want to thank uh, doctors Ben Sabaski and uh, Dave Mascotti, and of course my producer Matt Widener. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.